Nope, well, praise the Lord. Good deal. Got a new car. New car. All right. It would be, okay, so it's a, it's a, it has been a benefit to society that she's gotten a new car. I understand now. I understand. I didn't know how it pertained to us, but now I do. <laughs> yes, yes. We're still losing weight. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Hey. No, it's, it's, I don't think it's a silly thing to anybody. I think anybody who wants to lose weight would say that's a good thing. Anybody else have a praise report, prayer request? Oh, praise report. Well, that's right. I see him. Good deal. Good, good, good. That's right. That's right. Who else? Okay. Okay. So she's saying, turn it up. I know. Like something's, somebody has sin in their heart. It's not working. Get the sin out so Cindy's house will sell. Yeah. Liber, oh, liberation. Right. That's good. That's good. So that was a sign to you that that was the Lord moving. Yes, that's good. So that if you know he did that, it's a witness to the fact that the next part is going to be. That's good. That's good. Yes. Okay. Back here. Wait. Well, you got one back. Oh, right. No. Okay. Camera, you go first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pestilence, yeah. Well, we've got a good message for you today. We're going to be talking about the mind, so we'll hit that in a second. Yes. Yes. Hmm. The co-worker, Jeremiah, thank you. Let's let's pray this morning. Oh, we have one. Oh, Lily, I I'm sorry, I can't see you back there. I can't hear you. Get, tell it to somebody loud. Mammogram on Wednesday. Thank you. 
We will pray for that. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your mercy and grace. We pray, Lord God, that you would move in the areas of divine provision, in wisdom, in protection, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that financial release would come to this body of believers today, Lord God. I pray your protection. I pray, Father, for that you would continue, Lord God, to keep us in health, Lord God, and watch over us and watch over, Lord God, all the things that we have under our care. I pray today, Lord God, for healing for this, this co-worker's son today. We speak, God, to this body, God, in the name of Jesus, and ask that everything regarding this tumor and this brain will be taken care of by your grace today. I pray today that you would open our minds to receive, open our ears to hear. Help us, Lord God, to receive your word. Let the engrafted word of truth, Lord God, go into our lives and bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give y'all a, a memory verse. Many of y'all may already know it, and I don't know how many of you practice scriptural memory. A lot of people, memorization of scriptures, a lot of people think that they can't memorize. They always, I hear that all the time, I have a terrible memory. Well, you do because you say you do. And you shall because you don't engage any other way. But the same people that say they have terrible memories, they can sing songs, they can quote, they can talk about, they can, I can start a commercial and they can finish it for me. You know what I mean? You, you have a bad memory regarding Scripture because you don't position yourself toward it enough. Amen. You remember what you do. Y'all with me? Yeah. Right. And so when I talk about scriptural memory, I know I don't have a lot of people just jumping on the bandwagon. You're like, we're not in kindergarten. You should have already remembered it when you were. If you didn't get that, then, you know, let's catch up now. But Psalm 24 I mean, you already know this psalm. The, it starts with, the earth is the, and the, the earth and all it contains. See, that, you know, you know more than you thought you did. Now, this is in that same scriptural reference there. Psalm 24 and 9. I want you to know this scripture. But more than that, I want you to know it in reference to what we're talking about. Who in this room is a gate? We've already covered this. You're all gates. You're letting something out all the time. Right. We talked about, I'm not going to go back through it again, but we're gates. We are gates. Jesus is, is the gate to heaven, and we as the house of God, because we are now the tabernacle of God, collectively we're the house of God, says that in Corinthians. It also says it individually. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? How many of y'all believe that the Holy Spirit dwells in you when you're born again? There you go. You're the temple of God. You're a gate. And this is coming through you. So here's the scripture I'd like for you to remember. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors. Some of you are like, don't insult me that way. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Lift up your gates. Lift up your head. Sorry. Lift up your heads, ye ancient gates. All of a sudden, now you're, now you're the gate. 
Lift up your head, ye ancient gates. I'm sorry, it's not ancient. Ancient's next. Lift up your head, ye gates. Oh, ye gate. I like the O. Yeah. Lift them up, you ancient doors. See, that's parallelism in the Word of God. Gate and door are parallel to one another. So they're expressing the thought. It's expressing it in a repetitious way. Lift up your heads, O ye gate. Lift up you, lift, see I'm all messed up. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Now, the King of glory may come in. God wants to come into your life ultimately to do what? To fulfill your life. Okay. What else? The Lord wants to come into your life to do what? Teach us His lay. Okay. To fulfill our lives. What else? To transform us. To help us be His imagers. The Lord wants some of your life. You're never going to get this answer with her. That's what y'all are. I'm not answering. I know how y'all are. Lift up, your, <laughs> lift up your heads. You ancient gates. You, oh, you gates. I always want to put ancient there. Lift up. Lift them up. You ancient doors to receive the king of glory. We receive him. To make him known. We receive the Lord. He comes into our life for one reason and one reason alone. Your transformation is for one reason and one reason alone. So I go to heaven when I die. I hope you do. That's not, I'm not downplaying that by any means. He comes into your life. To come through your life. To come through your life. Pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Could you put for me a geographical pen on where on earth is the Lord's will going to be done? Right here. Right here. This right here. See this? This, this door? This gate? This is it. He's coming in to come through. He's not coming in to make all your dreams and wishes come true. I hate to bust the American bubble. It's all about, what about me? It's about him. And so he wants, now, now is that to say, when he comes into your life, will there be transformation? Check. Will there be fulfillment? Check. Will there be glory? Check. Will there be deliverance? Check. But you're not a silo. You are a flowing resource or you don't understand the kingdom. And the will of God is going to be done first on earth in the locale, the locus of his focus. You like that? How I did that just there? Is going to be you. And it's going to be me. 
And that is how the kingdom comes to earth. And then when we come together, we form a group of people who are the people of God, the houses of God. Now we're a community of God. And our primary directive is to colonize the kingdom of God on earth. Now, how many of you, that would be okay with you? How many colonizers do we have in the room? I mean, let's do this thing. But we got to find the door too. And we got to find the door through. I mean, I want to know how many people know how to release the kingdom of God. Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. How in the world do you release the kingdom of God? Now, what we already said, though, show me the primary gate. In, yeah, the primary gate is your thoughts. I mean, how many of you would say that your thought life is your primary struggle in your life? We, we all raise our hand here because y'all are not robots, right? This is where, now let me tell you something about the devil. He cannot read your thoughts. He doesn't read your mind, but he does. He doesn't know the thoughts that you think, but he does know the thoughts that he put in your mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he knows how you respond to him. And then most of the time you tell him, you tell everybody. I mean, he'll, he'll try to put a little sickness on you. First thing you'll do is go, I feel bad. I'm sick, right? I mean, come on. I'm sick. I'm dying. I'm sick. I'm this. I'm that. You, you see what I mean? You're, you're, I mean, is there a place of challenge in there? You're like, well, I am sick. Well, okay. Be sick. You see what I'm saying? There's a choice in there somewhere. I have watched. Now, Mike is a master of this. He can be so sick no one on the earth will know it. No one. I mean, I, I live with him, and, I can t- and, I'll, and I'll say something. I'll go, are you not feeling well? He'll go, I feel fine. And then I feel like it's kind of a test. So I feel like i got to drag it out of him. Why do I do this? <laughs> then I'm like, now, are you you're kind of coughing. Are you sick? Are you sick? I can pray for you if you're sick. He's like, I'm fine. And I'll ask him that afterwards he'll admit, yeah, yeah, I wasn't well at that time. But me saying it does nothing to dissolve the situation. When I admit it, he said, it just comes on me. I just form agreement with it, and it's double teamed. And so he'll just walk right through something. You'll never know. What is that? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. He's, he's, an, he's a master of resistance. And it all helps with because he doesn't talk at all. So it's so easy for him not to say things. That's what I say. So anyway, lift up your heads. How many heads we got in here? Well, that's a little play on words. Lift it up. Let's get, I loved what Mike said last Sunday. If y'all heard the sermon, he talked about the man who was healed of blindness and he said the first he anointed his eyes and what did he say? What do you see? And what did the blind man see? He said, I see men walking as trees. Do over. Jesus prayed again. 
he said, lift up your eyes. What do you, and he, when he looked up and opened his eyes, he could, I see clearly. And I loved how he used that reference that when we're looking right here at this plane, we just see men walking, our, our vision of people, our vision of the circumstance, our vision of what's going on all around us is hazy because we have it. But when we lift up our eyes and get that vision of what's going on, now the vision that we have is clarified of the circumstance. And that's how we have to learn the art of training our thoughts. Training your thoughts. Your thoughts are like wild animals many times. They just go all over the place. I mean, any circumstance comes in and you're just on that train. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're jumping in the river. Moods are here and there and here. I want to tell you, if you're a person, your moods are like this, that's not of God. Just FYI. It's not of God. It's not only destructive to you, but it's destructive to those that are around you. No, I don't know who this is for. No one wants to be subject, subjected to your mood swings. That kind of behavior in the life of an individual is emotional manipulation. When everybody's afraid of your mood and they're tiptoeing around your hair trigger. You know what I'm talking about? It's emotional manipulation. What do I mean by that? You're controlling people by your emotions. It makes people around you codependent to your mood swings. Now, this is not primarily women. No, it's not only women. It often is primarily women. Because women have the more, their they're, they're humanity 2.0. You know, God made man, and it wasn't good for man to dwell alone, so he made the upgraded version called woman. <laughs> Software never got an update because it didn't need it. No. <laughs> That's not what your Bible says, John. What? Oh, I, have a, I have a real new version, I think. I'm just kidding, y'all. But you know what I'm saying? Women are a little bit more emotionally skilled than men. You know what I mean? I mean, how many of y'all agree with this? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just a fact. Sorry. So, but there is, but even, even as I say that, it's not only women who are emotional manipulators. You know what I'm saying? That it's not only there. I've known many men who are emotionally volatile. And as I've told many people, and see, I don't even know why I'm saying this. Good Lord, help me. That there's nothing worse than a whiny man. I said, in my humble opinion, I was going to say that. There you go. Some people are like, look at it. She's getting in trouble. Moving on. That's just the gospel. You know, Paul, Paul said that in his letters too. You know, this is me speaking right now. And that's just me speaking. I mean, absolutely. You're not left to that. Yeah. That's all carnal. They're, they're, they're relics. It's relics of the old life. 
the old methods and ways of doing things. Now, this is what I have found in my life. Maybe some of you know this as well, that I have found that in the Lord, in the Lord, I have, I have had experiences that were above my understanding. Spiritual experiences above your understanding. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's a, a manifestation. You know what I mean? You fall out. You have a vision. For example, when I was saved at 11 years of age, I had a vision of me going up to heaven. A vision. I'd never, I mean, I was saved. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to have visions. When you, I thought this is what, what you did. You got saved. You have a vision. You know what I mean? I didn't know. So I had a vision of me and holding the pastor's hand, and we resurrected all the way. We raised, ascended all the way to the highest point in the church. It was a huge two-story building. And when he said amen and it was time for me to open my eyes, I was so, like, like thought that it was really happening. Then when I opened my eyes, I looked down, and I looked back at him, and I was like, he probably thought, she's a little creep. <laughs> Because I was like, I was shocked that my feet were still on the floor. So I just went back and sat down. I was like, that was weird. Now, I had an experience as an 11-year-old child. I did not have the understanding of that experience. It has taken me a lifetime to understand. I'm 50 now. And now I'm starting to understand what it means that as he is, Jesus Christ, so are we in this world. And that when he ascended, he not only died for our sins, that we died with him. He was not only buried, we were not only buried with him, but what were we also? We were resurrected with him. And I was seeing as an 11-year-old child an experience that was far beyond my intellect. But the Lord didn't want me to just hold myself in some, if I just, if I had in my ignorance, and I say ignorance because I just was unlearned. If I had held an experience up without gaining knowledge of the word of God, I become those wackos. Or I would have always, and this is what I see in Pentecostal circles. I see people having experiences, but never actually gaining the understanding to ground themselves in that experience. And they just move from experience to experience, and they become adrenal, spiritual adrenaline junkies. Emotion, they got to have a feeling, and they, you, know, you know them because they have an experience, and when it gets boring in church, how many know sometimes church gets boring? You know what I mean? I mean, what I mean by that is your spiritual walk is not always, woo, I see angels, I smell God. You know that I'm talking, you know. Am I, am I kidding or not? You have to have, you have to gain some some understanding in those areas. And if you won't submit to the learning process, if it's always got to be the shouts on, the fires on, the, whoa, this church, you'll just be, you go that church, you go that church, you go that church, you go that one, you go that one, you go that one. They're like, well, I had such an experience, but it got boring. And I'm like, yeah. Mm. So you have to gain knowledge and understanding to undergird that. The high. Right. So you can take. Back and going, hey, was that 
said at that moment, when you lift your head, at that, you, you've got to recognize, he said, you want to recognize those, those particular moments is when I really need you to lift your head. When it counts. When it counts. Because, because you, what it makes you stronger. So that's right. Because you don't get score on the board unless the opponent is there. It's always, always, all day, all, oh, you, I see what you're saying. What are you saying? 24-7 is also the same one, right? Lift up your head, right? It, it said, gotcha. What he's saying is Psalm 24-9 is the one I quoted, but it quotes it the same 24-7 as well. That's good. I like that. So as we look at this, <clears throat> lift up your heads. Now, here's what I want you to know today. The new covenant that we serve under is not a dummy-down version of the old. You want me to say that again? The new covenant that we live under today, under Christ, is not a dummy-down version of the old one. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's see. Let's turn to Hebrews 8. I got allergies going everywhere. Hebrews 8. Let's see what, whoever wrote Hebrews. Who do y'all think wrote Hebrews, by the way? We got a Paul. Who else? Give me some... Randall, who do you think wrote Hebrews? No? <laughs> Come on, give me some example. Who do y'all think? God, the Holy Spirit inspired it. Who do y'all think? <laughs> Paul, we got another vote for Paul. Some think Barnabas. Some think, y'all ready for this? Priscilla. I want to get a girl in there. Some of you are like, what? No, I don't know. I just want to throw it out there. I have heard that, though. Who knows what my text is? Let's go to, um, how do I want to do this? Um, Let's go to um, 6, 8-6. But now Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry insofar as he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. For if that first one had been faultless, the first one being what? The first covenant was what? According, you got it, say it. Faultless, we're just following the scripture here. I just want you all to see the scripture. Uh, If the first one had been faultless, there would not have been a discourse seeking a second for finding fault with who? Them. Who? Them. Not it, right? For finding fault with them, it says, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> behold the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will inaugurate a new covenant. This is quoting Jeremiah. With the house of Israel. And it will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers. On the day which I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. For they did not remain in my covenant and I did not care for them. Doesn't mean he didn't care for them. He cared for them immensely. It means that they couldn't stay in fellowship with one another. Says Adonai. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Says Adonai. I will put my Torah in their mind and upon their hearts I will write it. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no more will they teach each one his fellow citizen and each one his 
brothers, saying, No, Adonai, because all will know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and their sins I will remember no more. In saying new, he has treated the first as old. But what is being made new and aging is close to vanishing. Now, this is going to gross you out, but this is how the Lord gave it to me. I told the Lord it's going to gross me out. He said, so what? Now, how, this is how I would explain this. Whenever a baby is formed in the womb, it is formed in something called the placenta, right? And one, I know, see, you're already grossed out. And once the baby is born, what do we do with the placenta? <clears throat> we don't. I, other cultures <clears throat> may do other things. But that which provided life in the womb, why do we throw it away? Because it did what it was supposed to do in supplying the life that is now being lived. And you see what I'm saying? And so in order, we don't throw it away because we go, that was stupid. You see what I mean? It's a different mindset. If we think of old and new according to that linear mindset, we're missing what's really going on here. The author of Hebrews is not disparaging the old covenant. He's saying it is the placenta. <laughs> right? That's gross, right? It has it. But, I mean, you should be at, this is a great analogy, God. This, guys, this is. It is. It did what it was supposed to do. It brought for 2,000 years. It became the source that grew the life that would bring life to all humanity. So when we talk about the, we live under the new covenant, we don't relegate the old to some place of unimportance. We look at it and we understand how it nourished and strengthened and taught us the life that we now live. And where's Christ? This does not diminish this is not dummy down. This is next level. This is the life that God meticulously spent so much time trying to create, not so we could take grace and make it something that we just abort righteousness and holiness through. Yes. Yes. Right. Through righteousness by faith. And so how does, how does the, this part works perfectly. How does the Abrahamic covenant 
operate or what is the promise, I should say, of the Abrahamic covenant? Somebody tell me. What is the promise of the Abrahamic covenant? That the whole world would be blessed. That God, God said to Abraham, Abraham, I will bless you. And through you, the whole world will be blessed. So I say again, lift up your heads. Oh, ye gates. Let you're the door. God, so what does the Lord want to do? He's saying, you live in the day that was promised. You live in the better dispensation. You don't live in some dialed down version of holiness that you have to keep a list of ordinances and rules. I simply don't need the rules. Why, Andrea? Because I have the Spirit. I happen to have... The mind of Christ. Do y'all believe that? Or do y'all think I'm arrogant? I am. That's the word. That's the word. But the problem is we don't know how to operate under the mind of Christ. Because we are so intellectually governing our lives through our circumstantial evidences that we don't know how to take the Word of God. We don't know how to commune with Spirit, the Holy Spirit in our spirit, and have the Spirit of God inform our mind with regard to the thoughts we should think and then conduct our bodies according to His will. I and you, you have a law written in your heart. When Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, case in point, Did he dummy it down or did he elevate it? How so? You heard Moses said. He said, you have heard Moses said that. Moses said, do not commit adultery with a woman. He didn't say this new version of grace that much of the modern church is pumping out. You heard it said, Moses said, don't commit adultery. But I say grace won't, it won't matter under grace because you can commit adultery all you want and it'll be fine. He said, we are taking it to another playing field. The playing field of the mind. Because he is about to inaugurate another government. And the government is going to be in you. Don't tell me you can't be free from bondage unless God's not in you. Don't tell me your mind cannot be shifted to agree with God's thoughts unless God's not in you. Don't tell me that you can't control yourself unless God's not in you. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. No. 
it's raised. The bar's raised. The bar's raised. But okay, this begs the question, how do we operate like this? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. This is what we've got to learn. To, we've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. It, it somewhat troubles me. Somewhat troubles me when I hear people say that they have never heard the voice of God or don't know how to hear God. Now, that may be you in here. Now, here's a couple of things that are going on. Either you don't know how to interpret what is the voice of God in your life, and you've got some idea of how the voice of God is going to come into your life, or, or your spirit man... Your born-again spirit man is so infantile. So infantile that you don't even have an auditory language developed. Do you see what I'm saying there? Because when babies are born, you don't have, how many of y'all have a converse, an intellectual conversation with a baby? None of y'all did. What you do is you go, right? That's what you all do. And so when you're born of the Spirit, that's an infant, so to speak. You have never learned how to move information from your spirit man to your mind, to your solical areas of your reasoning. You don't know how to do it. You don't know. Now, some of you are going, what the heck is she talking about? You are, according to the Word of God, according to Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, I believe. It says that, that you are what? Spirit. What else are you? Soul and body. Spirit, soul, and body. That's what the Word says. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, in Hebrew Scriptures, they might call the Spirit your heart, the deepest, innermost part of who you are. Where does the Holy Spirit live in you? Point to I don't know. Do you know where he's at? He's in you. I mean, how many of you want to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit? I do. I mean, I want to have a conversation with the Spirit. I practice having a conversation with the Spirit. Is that weird to you? I mean, I'm like, Lord, show me what to do right here, right now. I need to know. I need to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice. You need to hear your voice. And she's like, Andrea. Not usually. Now, there have been times in my life where the thundering, it's like audible in my brain. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's so loud in my mind that I'm going, like that, I, I feel that way. And when the Lord speaks to me that way, time and time again, it's because I'm about to get myself into a mess load of trouble. I'm about to move into an area <clears throat> that He is absolutely forbidden. Oh, look at me, technical and everything. Don't mash that button, by the way, it'll drop off. So, I mean, there have been times in my life, and when I didn't obey, you mean you heard the voice of the Lord that loud and you didn't obey? And so I had to, I had to move a little bit, you know what I mean? And I, I did not obey. I, I adjusted what he told me to do to be a type of obedience. Anybody know what you're talking, you know? I mean, I just did it. I did it. And then it wasn't until I got down the road 
and I saw the full measure of the consequences that I realized had I obeyed right here that potentially, most likely, probably, definitely would have been avoided. And those situations, sadly enough, it wasn't me that suffered over here. It was because of who I am and the relationships I had around me, the influences I had around me. See, it's not about me. The kingdom's not just moving to me, is it? What's the most important thing is through me. And so because I didn't obey right here like I should, you see, I got out unscathed pretty much. But the person that I was going to be leading into that with me did not. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And I, I we, while, while I say that, and I'm, I'm living proof of it, clearly, Hope, I am, right? Because I'm here today. I'm living proof of that. But I do not want to use forgiveness as a... As I want to understand the full ramifications of it, of my choices, of my input, of my participation, because it is a very immature, low-level, infantile thinker that only thinks that their choices affect them. That yet again is the person who doesn't understand that the kingdom is not only moving to us. It is moving through us. And that is why the Lord says don't put a novice in a leadership position. Because you have the potential to hurt others. You may get out all right, but others may not. Does that make sense? And so we have to understand this. This is serious business we're talking about here. So the Lord didn't dumb me down. This is not a, a dialed down version of the Mosaic covenant that we live in. This is not some, now we, good thing we don't have laws anymore. They're written in your heart. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. Yes. Yeah. Grosser than placenta? Okay, we've already done it, right? There's a reason why other cultures can't do Yeah. That's... Yeah. Because... Okay. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> Golly. So we're saying, what are, the, what are my points there? I need some, y'all, because, so what you're saying, the life that came through you, right, because it's the, when we, it, I mean, we know Israel was the womb that birthed Messiah, right? right. We all know that. And I, do I believe that the church replaces Israel? No way, no how. 
that Israel is a part of the church just like we are a part of the church. Is God going to continue to deal with Israel and will Israel be saved in an amazing end time revival? I believe the scripture teaches that. And I believe we pray for Israel and support Israel. What was my point? It gives life to us. It gives life. And not only that, that's why we should honor Israel. I mean, you don't want to be the nation that stands against Israel. You don't. Every time, this is just a sideline bar. I'm just going to tell you all this. Every time that we have ever ordained policies that have removed land from Israel, there's always been a natural disaster. You check it. Check it. There's books written about it. You do not because it's, it's, their, it's their land. It's their land. You don't want to be on that side. But anyway, let's move ahead. So this is not a dummy down version of that. So the, what we're doing now is the whole of the word of God, the interior, the, the, the temple is now who I am. The opulence and the beauty and the majesty of that temple is now moved to the interior regions of my life. See, God used all the gold and the beauty to decorate the temple to show what? Two things. It showed how important Christ was. But what's the second part? Who's the temple? So the beauty, the glory, the gold, all the things that God, the, I mean, it's way, it was a lot of money put in there, right? How many of y'all, how many of y'all live in a world where, where um, monetary value still has, is how you do your economy? None of y'all? Wow, I do. I pay, for, I pay for my electricity. We all live in that. That's the way we live. And so gold and silver in that day, it expressed a certain amount of worth, right? Does it to y'all? If I hand you a gold bar, dollars to donuts, you're not going to throw it down and walk off. No matter how holy you try to act about money. You're just not. You know, that other, just because you don't have, you don't have to put it up. You just, you just, you know, when you have to put up or shut up, I know what's going to happen. Don't talk to me about it. So that's just how it's going to go. And so when God put all that money into the temple, some of you are so holy, you're like, at hey, church, that's all they want is money. I wish I was as holy as y'all. I, I wish that I could find a church that knew how to work on something other than money. Maybe I'll ask you who say that how we should run the place without money. Because you probably got some other thing. Anyway, it's just me sidebarring. Okay, so we have money here. And he puts all the gold and the silver and all those things into the temple to express the worth of Christ. But not only that, it expressed the worth of you. It expresses the worth of your heart. For God does not look on the outer like man does. He looks on the heart. The worth of who you are is in the interior spaces of who your person is. When you are inhabited by the Holy Spirit, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That's a special possession of the Lord. I mean, the word in Greek is peripoiesis, I believe. It means you are so special, like a trinket that a person would keep in value. A holy nation. And so the Bible, let me just quote Paul for a second. What fellowship has the temple of God with idols? What fellowship has light with darkness? The darkness that we allow in comes in the gate of our mind via our thoughts. And we have to learn 
2 Corinthians 10 and 4, how to do this thing. If you're going to be a spiritual person, you have to learn how to do this. Where is it at? Y'all know this scripture. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they are powerful through God to the tearing down of strongholds. How many of y'all tore down any strongholds this week? Second. Second. Almost daily. We are tearing down false arguments and every high-minded thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah, ready to punish all disobedience whenever your disobedience is complete. Now, how does this work? You got the gate. A thought comes in, right? I don't know. Give me a, I'm tired of telling all this stuff. Y'all tell me some thoughts. Give me a, give me an enemy thought. Okay, she's like, I've been ready for this. <laughs> okay. Let me, okay, okay. let me tell you this, Tamara. That's pretty good. No, that's pretty good right there. But what I would say to you in that situation, you need to, turn, you need to delete TikTok from your life. Say you're causing your own trouble. I mean, you just are. You're causing your own trouble. You're feeding on crap hoping not to get poisoned. <laughs> there you go. I'm just saying that. So the thought comes in. The vehicle that she's saying the thoughts are coming in or what? But what's the vehicle being used? Social media. Social media is a vehicle that's pulling it up to her door, and she's opening up her shades, and she's using her intellect because she learned how to read somewhere around kindergarten, and she's employing that to introduce thoughts that are untrue to your mind, and then you're having to look at that and go, I wonder if this is true or not. But, I mean, that's just a, I mean, forgive me, a foolish way to live. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying, but see, but we all, I love that you gave that example because we all do similar things. And so a thought comes in. What's an, I want an example. Now, she told me a vehicle. I want to know a thought, just one. Unworthy, okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right, so that was, a, that was an opportunity. So you, what did you have to do with that thought? Right. What if, I, so what? If I die, I live. Right, so you took the thought captive. So uh, worthless and no good. So you've taken the thought captive... And you've, t- you've spoken the word of God to it, and you've replaced, you've taken the thought captive, and you've replaced it. Another thought.
So you had, and so you, instead of instead of obeying a thought, now you can you can take precautionary measures there and put your stuff up. But if you can't, then you can only do what you can do, right? Another thought, another thought. I can't do that. I don't have the skill set. Anybody ever had that thought? Other than just me. I mean, that's like one that's like you know you can't do that. You don't have the knowledge. You can't do that. You don't have the knowledge. Okay. Over and over and over again in my life, when, the Lord, when I've had an opportunity, and it's like, you can't do that, you don't have the knowledge. If I take that thought and run with it, what do I do? I do absolutely nothing. I sit down. I'm not here today. I'm not. I'm just not here today. You don't even know me. You've never met me. I've never spoken a word in your life. I've never, I didn't marry Mike. I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere. I did nothing because I didn't think that I could. And so, but instead of taking that thought, I take that thought and go, you can't do that. You don't have the skill set. You don't come from the right family. You don't have this. You don't have that. And I say, that's not true according to the word of God. It may be true according to my circumstances, but it's not true according to the word of God. And so I don't, take my behavior, this is where, you, this is where it gets y'all. I don't take my behavior and partner with the thought. I take the word of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I find some way to act with that instead of with this. See, that's where most people get tripped up. They're like, yeah, I've done that. I've said the word to it. It didn't change anything. What you mean to say is it didn't take the apprehension and fear away. Yeah, that's probably not going to go away. You're going to have to do it knees shaking. You're going to have to step out. You're going to have to step out on absolutely nothing and go, oh. You're going to have to do that. See, if you're, will, if you're not willing to do that, then it does no good, all this mental gymnastics of you saying things. If you're not willing to partner any behavior with it, you're just, I can't say that. You're just doing no, nothing that's of any worth to you. You're going to have to get some action behind it. I mean, I just wish I could take the thoughts of people and just give them enough of the Word of God that they could stand against an enemy thought. Now, what would you do if you were the enemy? Well, number one, if, you're, if, if there are thoughts coming in through things that you're having to constantly war with, turn the stupid stuff off, right? Turn the TV off, delete your social media. I don't know what it is, but that just doesn't make good sense, right? Yeah, fear-driven thought. Yes. And not partner with it. Don't partner with it. Don't partner with it. Stop. Stop. If you, just, if you just put these things into practice, you know what you'd find out? You would start growing up faster than you could imagine. Do not, yes, do not allow what you feel to dictate what you do. If you only go by what you feel. I mean, for every road you've got, there are two, every one mile of road that you're walking on, there are two miles of ditches. 
And many times your feelings will take you in. I would love to see a people who are so mature in the things of God and the Word of God that when they had a feeling that said, I don't feel like doing that, that they did it anyway. That they, I mean, I came in this morning and Randall said this. He said this exactly. He said, are you ever not happy? Well, certainly I am. That would, be, that would make me some sort of a weirdo, right? But I don't, I don't walk in. Are you saying you're just faking it? I say I am, it is, I am more attuned. I am more out. This is just how I operate. I know through experience in the Word of God. I am more apt to act my way into right feeling than I am to feel my way into right actions. That's just a fact, y'all. That's just a fact. If you would put the feelings on pause and go, but what does the Word say and agree? You know what heaven's doing? They're going, bravo, bravo. The girl can be taught. The boy can be taught. We're doing good now. We're doing good now. Let's move them on. Let's move them on down the road. Let's get them off of some milk. I mean, this is how spiritual maturity is actually formed in your life. Is you not being subjugated by your emotions and your feelings and your thought life and your mindset and all these things. And you're just like this, woo, woo. Right? Does this make sense to anybody? This is how the gate works. Right here, I'm fixing leaf. Right here. If you can learn... How to take authority over your thought life. The victory that you can maintain is absolutely mind-blowing. And I'm not saying it's always easy. Didn't promise that. But it is doable. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us victory in the area of our thought life, Lord. Let us be a people who know the Word of God, who know your character, who know your voice. Let us be strong and do exploits in these last days, God. Let us lift up our heads. Let us be the ancient gates, God. Let us, God, receive the King of glory. Move through our life in Jesus' name. Amen.